The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Welcome, uh, listeners, to another Monday night raw. Oh, wait a minute. Can't say that. How about another raw Monday night? Uh, because it is definitely that outside right now. Um, yeah, it feels more like that. mid-November than mid-October, and I don't like it a bit. I don't know if it's that cold, but the the, the rainy kind of, yeah, I mean. It's gross. It's definitely a fall night. And with that fall uh, weather, uh, we do have hockey. We have standings. We have predictions. We have ridiculous stuff that the networks are doing. Um, we did our predictions last week. You have more predictions? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Okay. Foreshadowing. I like it. Um, we do have the two polls that we ran this week. So let's let's dive on in. Do we want to start with the good news, the bad news, the um news, um, or some analysis? Ah. <laughs> uh. As much as I, I, I think we, I think if we get the the sadness out of the way early, we can progressively build into a happier mode. So, as much as I, as much as it pains me to say it, we need to start with Barry. Um, first of all, I hope. Uh, well, for, for those of you who didn't know, Barry Melrose, former coach of the. L.A. Kings during Gretzky era, one of the uh, former coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning when Steven Stamkos was there um, and forever commentator for ESPN, um, like literal decades of commentary and some of the most interesting and passionate uh, commentary that even when I didn't agree with it, at least wasn't unhinged. Um Chris and I also had the opportunity to meet Barry um, and a couple of the other uh, broadcasters up in Manch Vegas. I was wondering if you remembered that. Um, what was that? Six it, years ago at this point? Yeah, it was a frozen. It wasn't a frozen four. It was the 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 quarterfinals. Yeah, it was the regionals. It was what two and a half, three weeks before uh, Kale McCarr's first NHL game. We did get to see Kale McCarr and Adam Fox and play Adam against, Fox play just against each other. Pro. <laughs> and it was um, obvious that they were going to. I mean, they were the best boys. players on the ice, and it wasn't close. Yeah. Um, yeah, we bumped into Barry. Bucci was, was there. Two of them, and then what? Nico Sturm, and then everybody else. Yeah, Brady Kachuk was there too. Brady Kachuk was there, but Brady Kachuk was invisible. Yeah, I think Zegers like, was. A, I think Zegers was there. He was a freshman. With like, huh? Why? Zegers was a freshman. I mean, you think back to all the names that were in that just that quarter final, just that regional final, and it it reads sort of like a who's who. I mean, oh, it was a great class overall, but. Still, there were two guys who stood head and shoulders. Oh, yes. Clearly identifiable. But Um, we're getting away from, I was going to say, we're getting away from Barry here. Barry Melrose has decided to retire after all these years. 
um, because he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Um, having met him, uh, it, my my heartfelt wishes are even deeper uh, that he get the best care and enjoy enjoy as much as he can um, as he takes as he steps away from the mic uh, to be with family and friends. Yes. Uh, I just, I, I wish for uh, symptoms to be easy. Uh, treatments to do what they need to do. He gets to spend time with the fam. Enjoy that time. I, we are going to miss him. I thoroughly enjoyed his commentary. He was a funny, funny man. Uh, but at that, with his little bit of sarcasm and his ability to read what was going on. I, 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 I think it, I, I think that a lot of people just never, after he coached Stamkos and the Lightning, I think that people forget that whether he was the best coach for a generational talent just breaking into the league or not, um, he understood the game and as a whole, and he still understood it at the end of last season when he was calling his last games, uh, as well as he did 20 year, 20 plus years ago. And that's pretty breathtaking since there's a lot of coaches from 20 years ago who who can't who can't get a job in the NHL anymore having anything to do with the active playing of hockey. And even though his rec I mean his record as a head coach unfortunately is not great. But No, um it's not. I don't particularly care. Yeah, no, his because, because his hockey is his, his ability to break down what was going on, what was happening, what's up with this player, what's going on with that player, what this team needs to do, was so far beyond his record as a coach that it, it's almost like discounting what he did behind the bench. I don't want to because he did make the finals in his first year with with the with the LA Kings when he had Gretzky. And so I don't want to discount it, but what he was able to do after that – it's not. It's secondary to me to his yeah, contributions. Okay, that's a good word. As secondary. a broadcaster, because he's one of the very few broadcasters, and I'll put Andy Brickley in the same company, who, when he's talking hockey, whether he's at the very shallow basics or stuff that you really, really need to watch hockey for a while to understand, uh, to to get in full context. It was understandable to new people to hockey and people like you and me and most of our listeners who live and breathe hockey. Um, and that's a rare gift. I, I used to be in sales. Chris used to be in sales. Uh, both of us can tell you that there are some there are a lot of people who are even great in their fields who can really only speak clearly to other experts. Um, people who can speak Experts speak and newbies speak at the same time. They are rare treasures. Having that ability to break it down for the for the the layman 
and that that was one of his hidden treasures was his ability to simplify it so that making sure that everybody understood what was going on. Uh, I, I wish him much luck. I, we wish him much luck in retirement. Absolutely. Um, enjoy it. Um, if you see him, you know what? Go up and shake his hand uh, and say hello. He is a great guy to talk to. Um, and I hope he doesn't lose personality with all of the symptoms. Um, it would be, well, it's it's not going to be pretty for him once symptoms get worse. Like I said, get the the sad out of the way. We can move on. Might as well jump to the next one. Um, we know that the injury ninja is uh, active every season, and this year he's already jumped uh, all over Zach Wierenski. Um Zach Wierenski took a hit from Garnet Hathaway. Uh, knee on knee, and in the season opener um, the other night, and we'll be out one to two weeks um, for what sounds like, if it's not a bone bruise, is certainly inhibiting. Um, this, I mean, Zach Wierenski has had to deal with a lot of injuries in his short career. And hopefully this one is as non-major. I mean, it's it's bad enough to take him off the ice, but hopefully there's no lingering effects of this one. And he can get back to the ice in just in those two weeks and get back to his normal level of play. Because last year he played all of 13 games 68 games the year before, 35 in 2021, 63 in 1920. He's only played 82 games once since coming into the league in 16-17. Well, the way the the way Vincent Pascal or Pascal Vincent, excuse me, yeah, Pascal Vincent, the head coach, put it. Uh, Renski dealing with a Charlie horse and the injury was not long term. I mean, I think it's worse than a Charlie horse, but it doesn't sound like it's a serious injury. I mean, you said pre-show sounds like a bone bruise, whatever it is. Hopefully the one to two weeks at most is all it is. Yeah, he had the late. He had the torn labrum, had the surgery last year, missed the entire season after November 10th. Uh, what concerns me more, and I know that that it, it, it's not so much the what concerns me more is that to be out for two weeks, they called up, of all people, David Yerichek, a 19 year old to take Wierenski's spot. It, yes. leads me, it leads me to believe that there's some concern in their minor league system uh, that they don't have somebody with a little more experience. Bruins have guys like Ian Mitchell that they traded for. Obviously, he wasn't here before, but they have Zaboro. Uh, there are other guys who have a little more experience. To, to bring up a 19-year-old to replace him, I mean. Well, that- let's, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Um, 
any point in the preseason, did you look at the roster for the Columbus Blue Jackets with or without their very brief former coach and say, yep, this is a playoff team. This is a contender. I No, but I didn't think that they were a contender before or after Babcock. I, I'm pretty I was pretty much sure that they were a lottery team giving up the go. Well, I I think they've been a lottery team since they traded away Seth Jones. But I mean, to, yeah, traded away Seth Jones. He went he was traded to Chicago. Um, I, I think that they're very quietly, very, very quietly just fueling up the tank. <laughs> I like the way you put that. Because let's be honest, their roster. But is there another Bedard waiting in the wings that there's a reason they should be <clears throat> thankful that they have one of the worst teams in the league? doesn't have to necessarily be a Bedard in the wings, because honestly, I don't remember who's being drafted this year. I just don't. I haven't. I haven't looked yet. at the full class yet. No. But you pull up their roster on Cap Friendly. Mm-hmm. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven RFAs, with four of them being eligible for uh, arbitration at the end of the season. Throw in another UFA. This is just among their skaters in Jack Roslovic. Um, two of their goaltenders, uh, Spencer Martin, UFA at the end of the season. Jet Greaves, RFA at the end of the season. Um, and then you have uh, Yegor uh, Chinkova. Uh, oh, Chinikov. Chinikov. Yegor Chinikov. Yeah, currently on the injured reserve, also an RFA. Um, seasoning over opening injured reserve. They have two guys on the injured reserve there. And right now their projected cap space is two and a half million. Um, some of this is just playing the cap. Um, some of this is they know they want to take a look at, the other young players, because you look at their roster, and despite the fact that you've got 30-year-old Goudreau, 30-year-old Jenner, 30-year-old Justin Danforth, whose name I've literally never said before, um, at forward, their average age is only 25 years old at forward. Um, at, at defense, Severson's 29, Provorov 26, Goodbranson 31, Andrew Peaky, 25, Adam Boquist, 23, Jake Bean, um, 25, and David Yurasek, 19. Um, I don't remember where Yurasek was playing last year. Uh, was it in the AHL? That's a very good question. I um, No, he just was, signed an entry he, level, so. Yes, he did play in 55 games in the AHL last year. It would not surprise me if we did a little digging uh, to find out that he played on a pairing with one of the other guy, one of the other young guys. Oh, I and feel that bad. Might, that might be why he got pulled up. I am incorrect. He did indeed play four NHL games last season with Columbus, so he does have some experience. 
Yes, four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, I mean, he's a, he's a European he's, he's a European player. He didn't play. He played AHL last season in Cleveland. Before that, it's all Czech Republic. So his first experience with North American hockey was the 22-23 season, 55 games with Cleveland, the Monsters, where he had 38 points in 55 games. Well, that's not actually bad. No. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a pretty solid-looking, based on the numbers, prospect. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if he played – I mean, really, realistically, there are only like three guys older than him on their like signed to NHL contracts. Nick Blankenberg. Tell me if you've heard the name before. He's undrafted. Um, he played 30, uh, 36 games in in um, Columbus last year, minus 16 with 14 points. Admittedly, it was <clears throat> not the best of teams. Um, there's Marcus Bjork, who was also mm, not particularly impressive. Uh, 33 games, 11 points, uh, minus nine. And then Billy Sweezy. He, he, of he, I've heard the name. He, I was going to say, I've heard the name. He Did he not appear at Boston Bruins dev camp? I think he did a few years ago. That name is um, awfully familiar. I think he's been at Bruins Dev Camp before. But he played for the Cleveland Monsters most of the last two seasons. He's got nine NHL games with the Jackets. One uh one point and a minus three. So there's not really a lot. There's not a lot in the closet. Uh it makes me wonder if this nineteen year old Yurichek actually plays well, do they get rid of somebody else on the defense core and keep Yurichek? <laughs> I mean, purely financially, it might make sense if they were, if they move on from one of the more expensive guys. Um, but Severson has an NTC. Uh, Provorov has Provorov stuff. Eric Goodbranson has a modified no trade. And those are the only guys that makes that much sense to move. Um, if they could pick up, you know, a second round pick to replace the one that they traded away. Yeah, it makes sense because, no, they're not. This is not a playoff team. No. Um, both of us like Merzlikens and, you know, Neither one of us is going to say a bad thing about Sean Corrali. Johnny Goudreau, really solid player. Patrick Laine has nights where he looks like one of the top 20 players in the league. Um, we're all excited to see what Adam Pintilli can do. Yeah. But well, over and above what I saw him do at Michigan anyway. But no one's pick, no no one's saying is picking this team to be in the playoffs. I mean, aliens are going to have to abduct at least five teams in the Western Conference for them to have a shot. Five? At least five. And the whole team. Okay. I'll go with that. 
I thought aliens only took cows, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> I just, I wish, I wish Wierenski a speedy recovery. I know everybody, everybody that's a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets wishes him a speedy recovery as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm a fan of both Orensky and the Blue Jackets without, you know, Babcock. Yes, without Mike. <laughs> so, Chris, where do we want to go next? Oh, let's see. We talked about a couple of things. Uh, is TNT really out of their bleeding minds? Um, I believe that Russian machine never breaks would put it that way. Yeah. And do you know why? Uh, because they hired Bissonette. Actually, if you listen to him Bissonette now, that might be the best commentator. He, he's he's improving his game. <laughs> I, I think he's been the best commentator on TV in the last two years. Uh, at least in terms of the national broadcasts. Um, so, so what have they done to upset the fan, the, 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 the raucous fan base that is NHL fans? What have they done to us? So Connor Bedard, that Chicago player who some of you have heard of maybe once. Yeah, he's terrible at face-offs. What else you got? Um... We'll talk about those numbers in a few minutes. Um, Okay, cool. Foreshadowing. The 18-year-old who's uh, who everyone keeps talking about how young he looks, which basically is a signal that yes, you're old and you can't get over how old you are. So you're talking endlessly about how young someone else looks. Um, Of course, he looks young. He's not spent 30 years drinking, drugging, and doing whatever else to run his body into the ground. But um, Connor Bedard scored his first NHL goal. The fine folks at TNT put up a graphic titled Chasing Greatness, showing Bedard as just 893 goals behind Gretzky for a share of the NHL's all-time goal-scoring record. Is Gretzky his agent? It, maybe. I mean, it would be a great get. Why have they? The boy has scored one goal. And okay, I'll go along with the fact that TNT may have been doing this tongue-in-cheek, firmly planted, by the way. But. Stop, I, I don't know. In my, in his defense, stop putting so much pressure on him. I mean, me sitting here going, saying that he's terrible on face off. He knows me from a hole in the ground. But when the network is putting stuff up, I don't know. It just it smacks of something not quite right. It smacks of desperation. Like you're trying to be funny enough to get people to talk about you. Instead of, I don't know, concentrating on some of the awesome plays that we've seen early on this season. Let's talk about the fact that this was in his first game. 
And uh, was, actually, no, he scored his goal in the second game. He, you're they, right. They he played the day the before. Game. But he was he, he was assisted by former uh, former number one overall pick Taylor Hall. Yeah. Who, like Ryan Donato, was new to Chicago. Um, and who scored the it was the other assist on it. Weren't they also playing the Bruins? Both of them did play for the Bruins. And yet he scored his first goal of his career against the Bruins, assisted by two former Bruins. That in and of itself gets a laugh. <laughs> or a smile, yeah. anyway. I mean, irony, anybody? <laughs> Particularly if you are of the belief that they should not have gotten rid of one or both of those guys. Uh, I'll give you one. I'm not so sure about both because I think that Mr. Donato needed another home. Uh, Mr. Donato, I'm not sure that he's found a home yet. Uh, he's found a place to stay. He's but moving I'm not around sure too much. I'm not sure that's a home yet. He's moving around too much. I mean, between here, then to Minnesota. Minnesota dangles him. He gets picked and gets picked in the expansion draft by Seattle, and now he's in Chicago. I mean, uh, wasn't. Didn't he have another stop in there somewhere? Yeah, he was in. He went from Boston to Minnesota to uh, to San Jose to Seattle, and oh, now, I forgot San Jose. Damn it. Yeah. Now, 328 games into his career, or 325 when he started the season, he's a Chicago Blackhawk and has already played for his second original six team. Can he collect them all? <laughs> It's like it's like Pokemon. <laughs> he does look a little like Ash Ketchum. A little hat on him and <laughs> Okay. This is what happens on Monday nights, folks. This is what happens when we record at night. Um But I mean it, it, I just I think that it um, I get the tongue and cheekness of it. You're trying to be witty and and but yes, it smacks of desperation and really stop trying to compare him to Gretzky or to OV or to Gordy. Anybody who's at the top of the list as far as goals scored, because the kid literally just started two weeks ago or last week. Let's, Give him a break. Let's uh, let's have a official moratorium on comparing uh Young players who haven't even cried over how much escrow has taken yet because they haven't gotten enough paychecks um, to anyone who's likely to be or already in the Hall of Fame. Oh, you you must be referring to Pot, Potsy, Matthew Potois, who's already getting compared to Bergeron here in Boston. That literally made me want to throw up, and it also made me want to do something wildly antisocial to the person uh, who is a well, a reasonably well-known radio personality in the area. He's only played two of his nine, two of his ten games. Give him a break. We don't even know if he's going to stick around past game nine. And that's Uh, a whole nother beast. Oh yeah. Um. Let's take a look at the first story in my call I put on the board for the week. Let's. And it's interestingly, it is Bedard related um, because all things are in the NHL. Just listen long enough and someone will tie his name to everything. (sighs) Goaltending, skates, 
banners in the ceiling. They're all tied to Bedard. Wow, this one ties into like everything because it now ties into. I didn't everything. Wow, okay. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, Connor Bedard in his very first game, in his very first faceoff. Did he win it? I do not believe so. I don't think so either. He's like I said. Got not. to start against Sidney Crosby, who for the last twenty years has been the face of the league, the name of the league, the star of the league, the superstar of the league, the future Hall of Famer of the league, the everything all the time. Sid the kid for twelve years past the time he made it into the league. They were still calling him the kid, making everyone anywhere near Crosby's age want to throw up. But Whose fault is all that? Oh, wait, Gary Benton. So Sidney Crosby has been busy being a very productive hockey player. Very productive. Like, there's no two ways about it. You can love him. You can hate him. He's just been a world-class hockey player um, since since he hit the league. And I'm not a big fan, but yeah. You, you don't have to be to acknowledge that he is. A yeah, you can't player. argue with where his standing is in, 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 in all-time history as far as the NHL is concerned. You can't. The num- numbers are numbers. Mm-hmm. Numbers are numbers. And right now he sits at 15th all-time in points scored in the NHL, in NHL history. There's only two active players in the top 20. Yes, and we're, time. that's that's like the whole – right now, he has 84 points out of 10th place. He's going to get those 84 points before the end of the season. We can just all write that down. He's going to pass Paul Coffey. He's going to pass Mark Recchi. Those could happen before the end of the calendar year. He's going to pass Joe Thornton. He's If he hits – if he hits – uh, the 1590, he's going to pass Ray Bork and Phil Esposito. Mm-hmm. And that will put him in the top 10. I mean, Joe Thornton finished his career at number 12. He is not yet in the Hall of Fame. True, but he's only been out of the league for what, a year or two? He, I, I don't only think for he's a year hit, or two. I don't think he's hit the required waiting period yet. And he's going to get knocked out of the, I mean, Alex Ovechkin, as you mentioned, is just behind Sidney Crosby. It's only, what, 15 points? Uh, 21. So, and that's how close it is between those two in terms of impact in the game. You wouldn't necessarily believe it based on what we're told about Either one. Um, we're, we're basically only told that all uh, Ovi does is score goals. And yes, Ovi has 822 of them and counting. Got 663 assists. It's not like he doesn't know how to pass. 663 <laughs> assists is more than a lot of guys get in their more, more than a lot of guys get with a healthy seven or eight year career. Um in terms of total points. Um, The fact that he's only, as you said, 21 points behind Crosby means that if he plays a month more than Sidney Crosby, 
he could pass Crosby on the list. Yes. A month. He doesn't not a full season, not half a season, a month. And that's where it gets a little bit depressing to be Sidney Crosby. Because well, Ovechkin is the only other player in the top 20, and in fact, uh, the active active player in the top 20. And the next active player is Evgeny Melkin, who is at 1,235 points. Um, and then after that, it's uh, – after that, the next active players are pretty far down. Um, you've got Anze Kopitar at 1,144, but Kopitar and – Malkin are effectively the same age as as Crosby. They're probably not playing three or four or five years longer, not long enough to make up the gap. But you look at the next generation of players, mm-hmm. even guys who are seven or eight years younger, there's a lot of guys who could pass him and bump him out of the top 20. It's genuinely possible that all of the guys who will knock him out of the top 20 are currently playing in the league right now. Some of the names that are pretty obvious, Ovechkin, assuming Ovechkin finishes after him or hasn't passed him by the time the two of them stop playing. Matthews, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, John Tavares, maybe. I, I don't feel necessarily great about that one. Yeah, I'm not so possible. certain about that one. Mitch Marner. Mm. It's certainly possible, particularly if he keeps playing with Matthews. Yeah, but Matthews is going to be going away. Jason oh, Robertson. No. Kale McCarr. I think Jason Robertson, his goal scoring ability might be, might put him in another one, another one to change. Maybe we could, maybe we could start putting graphics up on so many goals behind Ovechkin for whenever Robertson scores. Kale McCarr has been in the league a couple of years now and he's averaged over a point per game. Healthy defenseman can play a very long time in the league. Yes, Crosby has scored significantly higher on a points per game basis. But if a but if a healthy Makar plays at a point per game for five, six years longer, he's gonna pass him. Kaprizov. This one's a little tougher because he came over to uh, he came over late. He came over late. Um Pasternak. Pasternak's got a chance. Uh, yeah, I could see it if he can maintain. He doesn't have to score sixty goals every year, but if he can, if he can nope. hit the forty-five fifty mark, if he hits the forty-five fifty mark for the next seven, eight, nine years, which I think is certainly doable, he put on enough weight after he first debuted in camp. In certain person who shall remain me um, referred to him as Angel Hair. Um, you did, you know, it's, (laughs) it's entirely possible that he's going to get into that range. He's still a fairly young player. He's not yet 30. Um, you know, you go back to, that was long.
you look at active players yeah. in the NHL right now. You go back to just the 10-11 seasons because there's not very many guys, or the 9-10 season is what I have up. Yeah. Sidney Crosby, 1,109 points in that time. Wow. Alex Ovechkin, 10-65. Not a surprise to find them right next to each other. Stamkos is right there. Tavares is right there. Giroux, 978. We, we forget about him a lot. I do forget about him a lot. Blake Wheeler and Nicholas Backstrom, for various reasons, probably not going to get there. But two other guys who might just stick it out because they put in all the work. Yeah. One of them plays here. Well, we mentioned pasta, so the other one really can only be Brad. Brad Marchand, because he's... He's 11th in scoring since uh, since the 9-10 season, and he didn't even play in all of those games because he didn't he didn't start playing really until the next season. No, I think uh-huh. he was actually a rookie in the 10-11 season when they won the cup. He was. He he had a cup of coffee the season before. Um, and then um, Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski is hockey old at this point. But he keeps <laughs> he's played he's had he had his best career points total after thirty. Hmm. Has he did he show any signs of slowing down last season, season before? Signs of slowing down? No. I mean last season he dealt uh, we're still talking about Brad. No, well, I, I was thinking Pavelski, but uh, oh, Pavelski, no, Pavelski. At thir- I mean, Pavelski is just ridiculous. At, at what is he, thirty-seven, thirty-eight years old? He's actually and, thirty-nine now, so he probably won't actually do it. But, but you, you look at the way he performed in the playoffs, particularly against Seattle. I mean, the man still—he was a monster, broaching records and scoring four goals in a playoff game. I mean, come on now. I mean, Brad Marchand, given the way that he plays two-way hockey, if he can put up 30 points a game, 30 points a season, some NHL coach is going to keep him on the ice as long as he can make it uh, make it across the ice in under a period. Okay. I mean, there's there's a dozen guys in the league right now, or close to a dozen guys without mentioning any of the rookies or any of the guys who have been in the league less than three years uh, who could, who can be expected if healthy to at least threaten the top 20 all time. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, and I've, I've gone toward the bottom of this list just to have a look, see, and Mitch Marner, I, I wasn't so sure, but, when you'd said his name originally, but now looking at it, he's better than a point per game at this point in his career. He's played 509 games. He's got 557 points. Yep. So yeah, that definitely puts him in the conversation. It's it, to think of how long it could be, because we've been hearing about Sidney Crosby since he was like 13 the problem is nobody's paying attention to anything Sydney's chasing. 
It's all about Alex and his chase. Nobody, but, nobody's worried about whether Sydney's going to get past number, get into the top ten. You don't hear it talked about. They don't, they don't have Sydney Crosby but that's watches. That's the expectation forever. Like when he first broke into the league, it was the great one and the next one, which made me want to hurl. Yeah. I mean, he's still, I don't, do I think that he's going to catch Gretzky in terms of points? I don't know. Gretzky. I mean, Gretzky right now has more assists than, and Crosby has points by 400. By the way, Hedman still hasn't hit a thousand games. Sorry, completely off topic. Sidney <laughs> Crosby would need to score thirteen hundred and fifty-one more points to tie Wayne Gretzky. I don't think that's happening. Total points wise, I don't think that's happening. I don't know that anybody's gonna catch Gretzky in total points. I really don't. I, I don't and it's that ridiculous Two, I mean, assist total. 1,963 assists is just off the charts. Only one other player is even over 1,900 total points, and that's Yager, and he played 1,700 games. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. Well, then again, he has joined nine different franchises, but, I mean, damn. I mean, are we – I mean, I think the next great NHL question is not who's going to play, uh, not who's going to pass Gretzky. Who's going to play 2,000 games? Patrick Marleau and Gordy Howe are the top two players in terms of games played. Marleau has played 1,779 regular season games plus a whole boatload of postseason games. Uh, Gordie Howe played 1,767 games. Um, it, will we ever see a 2,000-game player? That's 109 – uh, oh, wait a minute. Playoff goals, uh, playoff games, playoff games. Um, That's going to take a lot of doing, especially if it's somebody – 195 – Playoff games for for um, Marlowe. If it's somebody good enough to be at the top of this list, as far as regular games played and points production, they're probably playing on a team as you're as you're alluding to now. They're probably playing on a team that's a playoff team, which adds significantly to the number of games played that don't count. This is this is just regular season games, seventeen hundred. 1779, 1767. As far as I know, this list is just regular season. It is just regular season. Right. I mean, if assuming if, if we if we take 2,000 games. 2,000 is a big number. It's a ridiculous number. And we assume that the player, that whoever this Mr. 2000 is, averages 71 games a season across his career. Oh, He's going to need to play in almost 29 full seasons 
Yeah. So, so you, you, let's you say you start at 18, you're going to you're going to finish at, at 50. Which, OK, Yager's doing that, but he's not doing it in the NHL. I mean, I think if I think with a little more luck and. A little more desire, you could have seen maybe Zidane Chara hit 3000, hit 2000. Because he hit he hit 1680. He's like eighth on the list and he was one of the fittest players ever. Um, on that, I don't know if I, I think that's I mean, an entirely different chase. And wow, I don't know if we're going to see it. And that's before you get into scary into stuff like lockouts and injuries. And I mean, that's that's a big number. Yes. But as far as the Sidney Crosby, I, I, I mean, is, is the chase futile or is it just? We're not paying attention to it, so nobody knows anyway. I, I, I mean, it's – yes, all victories are fleeting. I, I understand that. But just looking at Ovechkin right behind him, if Sidney Crosby is abducted by aliens today, before Christmas, he's going to get bumped a spot by Ovechkin. Twenty-one points separating them. It's not. It's not unfor. It's not unforeseeable, and it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that yes, with a decent offensive surge, Ovechkin. Whoops. Now it's now not only is Crosby chasing fifteen hundred or whatever or, or fifteen ninety sixteen hundred, he's chasing Alex Ovechkin. Oops. And assuming that a player was lucky enough, healthy enough, and avoided suspension enough, um, if they played all 82 games, you could do it in 24.4 uh, seasons, uh, which is still completely bonkers. Yeah, th- that's requiring that you stay completely healthy, never have a cold, never have a sniffle, never have oh, a, a deep brown bruise, never... No family emergencies. Um, oh, all of your children are born in the off season if you have any. You um, you completely ignore your wife when she's having your your first child, and you decide to go and play in the game anyway, which is certainly not going to get you elected <laughs> to any Hall of Fame that she's in charge of anyway. I just yeah, I just don't see it happening. I I don't know. Two thousand, I think, is too big a number. I believe. And I think that Sidney Crosby, does it, if a tree falls in the forest, does it still make a sound? My understanding is yes. But if Sidney Crosby hits 1590 and nobody's paying attention, it still happens. But does it really matter? If he makes it into the top 10, nobody's paying attention. Everybody's focused on people. everybody's focused on Gretzky. I mean, everybody's focused on Ovechkin. And let's be honest, we thought everyone thought that that 893 was going to stand forever. Yeah. Or 894 was going to stand forever. Um, getting, 70, getting into the top 10 in a category is not the same thing as getting to number one. 
72 uh, goals is is literally two seasons. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Ovechkin will almost certainly have um, the record by by the 2025 trade deadline. Oddly enough, I think the other and and at this point, when you start talking about chasing and whatnot, 73 shorthanded goals by Wayne Gretzky. First of all, I didn't know he played that much shorthanded time, but the closest active player is, is possibly the a literal. I mean, Brad Marchand, who is he's almost certainly the best two way player still in the league. He's 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 the only active player that's even within any kind of uh, conversational range. And he's still and forty still behind. He's still forty behind Gretzky. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, there's no there's nobody else other than Marchand in the top fifty. Nope. In fact, um. Evander Eric Kane Stahl is not currently playing, is he? Uh, I don't believe he's active at the moment. No, I think the next active one is Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter, Jordan Stahl, and Evander Kane in the 51 to 100 range. Yeah, they're in 17, and, 18, and 19 goals. Yeah. Nope. So they have half of what the they have half of what uh, Bradley has. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> not without a big push. No, no, no. Carter, I, I don't want to be mean, but Carter is pretty much done. Uh, Carter is. Evander Kane is young enough to still play another few seasons. Isn't he like 30 or 31? Yeah. Honestly, I haven't even heard his name mentioned this year, which is probably good. It's probably good news if his name hasn't been mentioned yet. It's only two games into the season. Give him a break. Uh. Um, I legitimately – and that's allowing for the fact that most of the stuff surrounding his name is um, compostable. True. Yeah. We know um, that a lot of it was was uh, garbage to begin with. So. Um, so. There are a couple of players who very early in the season have already been hit with. Um, hit by the dopes. Oh, hit by hit by the, the dopes. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yes, the dopes. Very good. So you're saying they've been dope slapped? Oh, this is you're this welcome. Is bad for Monday night. This is bad. Okay, so hit by the dopes. I mean, which one first? The worst one or the not so worst one? Oh. Surprise me. All right. Well, since I like the Kings, we're going there first. Uh, Philip Deno. For slashing, uh, and I don't even know who this player is on Colorado, has gotten himself a two-game suspension for a two-handed whack. 
It's Ross, Ross Colton. Ross former, Colton uh, I believe that's the former Tampa Bay Lightning. Ross Colton, yes. My apologies, Ross. I, I didn't recognize you. Two-handed whack on, on Ross Colton's wrist uh, netted him, was it two-game suspension? Um, five. Nope, uh, just a $5,000 oh, fine. Oh, he's the one that just got the fine. Oh, okay. I thought somebody got a suspension already. Other one, and uh, we're going to do something we don't do very often. Uh, is my bold prediction? Bold prediction. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Howden. Okay, my apologies. I got my two players backwards. Mr. Yeah. Howden got himself the two-game suspension for not quite taking Brandon Tano's head off. Quite taking it off. I mean, I haven't seen the video yet, so it's it's noticeable. Is it worthy of two games? My, I mean, it's Brandon Tanev, and as I said pre-show, are we sure that it wasn't deserved? But because Brandon Tanev can be a quite physical player, and sometimes this was not plays a little whatever the context in the overall game. In the immediate uh, run of play, uh, this tape does not show anything that would make this a expected reprisal. Okay, so Brett Howden was all on his own, and now he's going to be enjoying a couple of days vacation. I'm assuming it's unpaid since he's suspended. Uh, yes, and having looked at both uh, videos. Um, this, all I gotta say is, duh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I saw the slash video for Philip like, Deno, and you it tossed both of these videos into Chat GPT and gotten <laughs> gotten your automatic uh, action without having to think about it or being able to see the action at all. Like at GPT. All right. This is dumb and a half. Like, no, I guarantee Slash was definitely dumb. I, I guarantee you in next year's videos or the next time they update the videos of various penalties, these videos, these two actions may well appear because there's they're blatant. There's a very clear view, and there's nothing preceding it that that would make it an expected reprisal. It's just two players doing dumb really, really well, really, really well. But not re- they they weren't doing dumb really well because they didn't hide it. You That's know, you got to know there's cameras everywhere. There there's are cameras. Nothing questionable about either about either of these uh, dope's actions. Doing dumb. I mean, yes, they are doing dumb. I don't know how well they're doing dumb. I mean, you got caught, so clearly you weren't doing it good enough. And yes, I my I, I did I, I did find it in the story. Howden does not get paid, and he has forfeited. Wow, nineteen thousand seven hundred ninety-one dollars and sixty-six cents in salary. So three so, trips to Starbucks. Okay. For, for two games, he gets almost twenty grand. 
Damn. It takes me a lot longer than that to earn 20 grand. <laughs> I'm clearly in the wrong profession. I just, I, yeah, I, there is doing stupid. And anytime you make, anytime you make contact to the player's head, you've got to know that you can't sit there and make some kind of, can't sit there and make some kind of excuse as to why you suddenly hit. Oh, well, they, no. Unless, unless you, they somehow saw you skating toward the boards and decided to jam their head between you and the boards. Which isn't quite what happened. Exactly. Not quite. As Howden delivers a high hard body check that makes the head the main point of contact on a hit where such head contact was avoidable. This is an illegal check to the head. Duh. It's pretty straightforward in the rules. Like you could don't hit the guy just, in the head. <laughs> you could literally just pull out, dust off the templates that you normally use for suspensions, throw in the names, and go back to playing golf. You don't even need to leave the golf course for this one and watch it in like super slow mo or reverse angles or um, watching or watch it on a big screen. You get this video sent to your phone. Uh, and it can be like an eight-year-old phone that you haven't updated in forever. The screen's dirty, or maybe it still has that plastic uh, cover on it that from when they shipped it to you. And you could still make this call right. Either yeah, of these yeah. calls right. This, yeah, neither one of these takes a whole lot of... Uh, anything. Anything, yes. Attention. Need a pulse and to have seen hockey before. I would be inclined to agree. And I'm not so sure about the second one. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Not me either. I, I, I don't know how to yes. describe it. Yeah, stupid. Next. criticize the Department of Player Safety on a pretty regular basis because they deserve it. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> we but do. Like, in this case, these two cases, there's there's nothing to criticize because the the only way these would be you could criticize these is if they got it wrong, because these are clearly worthy of supplementary discipline. Yes, that's very nice the way you put it, supplementary discipline. And how much discipline is how much discipline are the Sabers going to need when they start shelling out contracts? Um, maybe they don't have it already because you can make the argument that Darlene and Owen Powers contracts are early, in which case maybe the team is saving money. Maybe. Is Powers, I don't know, is Powers contract a little too early? I mean, the man has played literally one season in the NHL. I understand that his talent May demand attention, but and that's that's, should there have been some should there have been some kind of middle ground with him? Should he have been not given eight million dollars a year? Oh, until he played a hundred games. There you go. Yes, 
how much is a safety? This isn't the NFL where a contract is worth nearly as much as a used to uh, as a used uh, toothpick. Um, he played 79 games last year, eight games the season before. He's at 89 total games and uh, just under half a point per game. Is he good? Yes, he is. Is he $8 million good? That kind of remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, but when you couple this with Rasmus Dalin's contract, um, Dalin is only 23. He's been there a few years, though. He has been there a few years. Whether I think he's walked, good or not. He walked in 10 minutes after he after he was drafted. I, I, I think he went legitimately directly from the uh, draft to his new home in Buffalo um, because he's now played 357 games. And that's only because and that's largely because of the COVID shortening of uh, two seasons because um, he played all 56 in 2021 and 59 in the season before. Um, he's comfortably over half a point per game. Uh, 356 games, 46 goals, 188 assists for 234 points. He is a minus 69 in that time. Um, but last season when they were knocking on the door of the playoffs, you know, 73 points in 78 games and a plus 12, um, nothing to sneeze at. If that's the preview of the future, hard to complain about the contract, particularly given that this is a guy who's seen how many head coaches? Darlene, uh, I want to say at least three, because right. up until Dom Granado became coach, uh, they were Granado, the, the Pagulas were firing people all over the place. Dom Granado came in in 2021. Yep. And there were at least two coaches. There was at least one coach the season before, and it yep. made two. I think it was two. That's why I'm saying three. But you basically jump from his six million this year to eleven million next year with one success, one highly successful season, and then you get into all the uncertainty. Why is there uncertainty? Well, they have injuries. Well, maybe not oodles of injury. Jack Quinn is out injured. Um, he will need a contract after next season. Uh, Matthew Savoy opened the season on injury, injured reserve. Uh, they buried Riley Stillman. Um, and you have a lot, a lot of contracts that are coming due this season. But according to this article, Kevin Adams is actually doing it the right way because he's locked up a core of five players. And Darlene in power, your boy Tage Thompson, who's got seven years, seven point one million. Dylan Cousins, seven years, seven point one million. Uh, so Darlene Power, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, that's four. I'm assuming Skinner is the other one. Skinner has three years after this one. Um I mean, maybe it's Alex Tuck who has two years after this one, but that doesn't feel right. 
Yes, Jeff Skinner is still making $9 million, so the and total cap. Co- there's so also Matias Samuelson, who's uh, got a forever contract. Um, yeah, he's he's getting hosed at the moment, though. <laughs> but compared to the other. contract co- runs through 29.30, and he's getting four and a quarter. Yeah, compared to the other contracts, he's getting hosed. I'm not saying he's worth the other contract. I'm just saying, money wise, when he looks and goes. Oh, my check is only for four million dollars, and yours is for eight million. Nah. <laughs> and the other guys is for eleven. Yeah. Yeah. But here's here's what they have to. What's going on with this team in terms of free agency? UFAs: Victor Olofsson, uh, Zegnis Gergensen, Kyle Poso, their captain, um, Tyson Yost, and Eric Johnson, uh, as well as goaltender Eric Comrie, all UFAs. RFAs, Luka um, Pakalukanen, um, Jacob Bryson, Henry Okiharu, uh, Peyton Krebs, and Casey Middlestadt. I'm just guessing that Buffalo is playing the the projection game or the assumption game that the cap is going to uh, expand enough that they can incorporate some of these other players. I mean, four of those guys have – Four of those guys have arbitration rights. Mm-hmm. What happens? What happens when uh, someone decides to throw an offer sheet at Casey Middlestadt? I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I was but if, say, they, I if someone wants to force their hand and force them to pay too much for Casey Middlestadt. So that they can't afford to keep take your next favorite player. Um, or maybe someone throws the offer sheet. Someone who really loves Henry Yokoharu throws an offer sheet at him. He's a right shot defense a right defenseman. Those are valued. Um, he hasn't broken twenty points in the league yet, but he's also just barely at two hundred and seventy-five games. And that that wearing in number for defensemen is usually between two and three hundred games. Looking their roster, I think Olafson is a priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, middle stat because he's an RFA, even though he's arbitration eligible. I'm sure they want to get him done, but I don't think that it, because he's restricted, I don't think they're as concerned. I think. I think they focus on Olafson first and making sure that they got him under. Because what is Casey Middlestack going to? Re- I mean, numbers wise. I mean, under the current last, cap or under the projected cap. Last season, you know, he he broke out 59 points in 82, played all 82 games. He's, this he's season, probably going to get five, north of five. Okay. And that's, no, and that's assuming he doesn't hit like the 25 goal mark this year. Because if he jumps up to 25 goals or more this year, it's going to be more like six and a half, seven. I think the smart deal here is that they, they've got a good top four locked up defensively. I think that's where Kevin Adams went right. You've got a decent top four locked up at least for the next two or three seasons. 
And if you're going to tell me Connor Clifton isn't a top four defenseman, then I'm going to have to get a little upset because I won't entertain argument. I'm listening. I'm listening. Keep talking. I mean, Eric Johnson at 35. I don't know that they bring him back. Yoke I want Haru. to see him, but 35 isn't. 35 today isn't the 35 of 10 years. He's ago. also, but for him, it's also a hard hit 35. He's not. I mean, as far as, far as I he's remember, he's played a anyway, lot of hockey. He's played a lot of hockey, and a lot of it was played in Colorado when he was the only defenseman before yeah, some sure. before Sackick or somebody else realized that, you know what? Maybe we should get those guys that play close to the blue line. I mean, he'll hit his thousandth NHL game some point this season, um, and it feels like he should have hit that like five years ago. Honestly, yes. Considering he's 35, he's been playing for like 16 years. 15, Something like that, yeah. I think health has been an issue at times. Well, not at times. I mean, I think... I just... I, I don't know that they're as concerned about bringing Eric Johnson back for another season unless they can do it at one year, $1 million type money. See, I don't think he'll sign for that. I, I, think I don't think I don't think he would either. I'm just saying that I don't think that they're at that stage where they're gonna. I don't know that they're bringing. going to overpay him and give him a five million dollar contract, but I I think he's still going to still sign for something in that three million, uh, three and a quarter million, whereas cap it is this season. But you've got guys like Riley Stillman on your AHL team, and <laughs> therefore. And not necessary to really. And what you don't like Riley Stillman? I don't like him defensively better than Eric Johnson. Okay. And Riley Stillman is twenty-five years old. Yeah. And has never played more than fifty-two NHL games in a season. He's been playing since. He played his first game in the 18-19 season, and since then, oh, I'm sorry, he played, he played, yeah, he played 50 games last year, split between Buffalo and Vancouver. He's never had more than two goals in an NHL season. Eric Johnson is still better than that. He's, He's never had more than 12 points in an NHL season. Eric Johnson is still wildly better than that. Or noticeably better than that. A defensive defenseman. If you want to come at me with an argument, you tell me that he's he's a right shot or a left shot, and Eric Johnson is the opposite. I get that. Or left defense, right defense, yeah. But you're talking about two different styles of play. I mean, Riley Stillman's not offensive-minded. Just just looking at his numbers would tell you that. Neither is Eric Johnson, really. He's a he's Eric Johnson's a two-way defenseman. Yeah but he's better offensively and he's probably still better defensively. Okay. He's a, he's a better player. I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're as concerned about him though. For some reason I did. I, I'm not saying they won't bring him back. I'm just saying that I don't think that he's number one on the list. I think that one of the things you have to consider is whether or not they can bring back their, uh, their current captain. 
um, because Kyle Poso is uh, even older uh, at 30. He's 35 and he's had uh, not necessarily great seasons. I mean, he went from in 21, 22, he had 45 points in 74 games which was a high for three seasons, um, four seasons, actually. And then he dropped back down to 28 points last year. Um, he should hit his thousandth game sometime by Christmas. Uh, no, they're going to bring him back next year because without having him having a bounce back year. Because you drop down to 28 points. And, I mean, his cap hit is only, well, his cap hit is slightly lower. Uh, yes, he's the captain. I think they will want the leadership still. Um, but if you're asking me if I'm going to bring back one of those guys or the other, mm-hmm. based on what I expect them to do next year, outside the locker room, off the bench, I, I'm bringing back Eric Johnson. Okay. That's fine. And that's no disrespect to Akposo. He has put in <laughs> a really solid career. His kid is a hilarious interviewer. Um, yes. And you should look. You should all look that up if you don't remember it. Uh, I forget his son's first name, but. Uh, Akposo locker room reporter should find you should find you the video. He's not um, the one I'm thinking of, is he? Well, there's also Corey Perry's kid who was absolute gold. No, Kyle Akposo and, and there's another player from St. Louis that I always get the two confused. And the one from St. Louis, the only time he plays well is when he's playing for St. Louis. I oh, made this comment how, multiple how, times. How in the hell are you confusing those two? And I can't even remember the other guy's name right now. Exactly. But and I don't, uh, Alan Walsh represents him. Does he? And I still can't remember who it is. Devin? No, not Devin something. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't I just know it did. We always make whenever he's traded, he's terrible. Or whenever he signs as a free agent somewhere else, he's terrible. But then he returns to St. Louis and suddenly puts up numbers. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Only plays well when he's playing for St. Louis, and I can't remember who it is. But for some reason, I always confuse him and Kyle Ocposo. I don't know how you do that because I don't either. The other guy is a very different player. Nowhere near as physical. Um. Give me a second. I should have his name in a second. Um, I honestly don't remember his name. I can tell you he's currently not playing for St. Louis, though. (laughs) He was, wasn't he there during the cup win? Yes. I don't know why. Oh, you're, t- you're thinking of David Perron. and Yes, David Perron. I have no idea how you confuse those two guys. Like, I literally none. I don't even know if David Perron is still playing. But he only plays well when he's on St. Louis. <laughs> um, he's in Detroit, and he actually played reasonably well last year. Oh, okay. um, 
82 games, 24 goals, 32 assists, 56 points for the uh, for the uh, unalive wings. See, as you as it, see, and and the the way I like the wings, you think I would know this, but no, no idea, <laughs> none whatsoever. I don't know why I confused them. Have they ever been teammates? Did, did David Perron no. play for Buffalo? No, no. <laughs> I don't know why I confused them, but I do. This this sounds like something you should talk to a therapist about because these yeah, dudes look nothing good, alike and they play nothing alike. <laughs> good possibility. I don't know about the therapist part, but no, okay. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Nope. Um, so we ran two polls last week. First one up, based on Chris's prediction of the Arizona Coyotes making the playoffs. Yes. Um, in a very, very interesting uh, set of responses, um, and I think everyone filtered it for quality. Um, we asked, will they or won't they? Uh, will the Arizona Coyotes make the NHL playoffs this season? Um, Chris and two of his friends. Uh, Chris, Chris did, and one of his friends voted in this poll. Chris did not vote. Chris does not vote in our own polls. Of course not. I don't. Anyways, two-thirds of the voters uh, said yes. That they are going to make the playoffs. That they are, in fact, going to make the playoffs. Well, I have some interesting information because, as we all know, Mike loves the phrase, if the playoffs – if the season ended today – and yes, if the season ended today, in third place in the Central Division, the Arizona Coyotes make the playoffs. <laughs> Which is exactly what the standings will show uh, in, uh, the end of, in the middle of April. Because the Arizona next. Coyotes have played one game. By the way, they're also undefeated. See, there you go. They're going to go 82 and 0. Well, they do. they do project that way. They do indeed project that way. But then again, you got to love projections because if you think about it, Van Riemsdyk is projected to score 82 goals this season. Which I'm sure is equally likely um, <laughs> as the Arizona Coyotes winning 82, uh, 82 games. games. I, I, oh my goodness, it's funny. Hey, the Kings don't make the playoffs right now, though. I would be wrong on that prediction. Shocking. <laughs> well, at least I actually made predictions. I didn't go, well, Obi's going to score 45 or more goals. That Come on is now. a prediction. Yeah. Real risk taker you are. <laughs> hey, I had the Sens making the playoffs. Uh, yes, you do. And the East is a tiny bit tougher than the West. No. <laughs> Why would you and say? And did run our second poll of the week, and I was watching. I ran this. Uh, I threw this on while while watching Connor Bedard's very first game as he chases Gretzky, and it was only 893 goals behind him. Yes. With the national broadcast team acting like the Blackhawks. We're destined for the playoffs. Um, I asked the important question. 
Chicago Blackhawks versus Pittsburgh Penguins, Crosby and Bedard. So are we watching one, two, or zero not non-NHL playoff teams? Zero play zero playoff teams, my prediction. So we're watching two non-playoff teams. Okay. Two non yes. Yeah, so that first game of the season or the first game on TNT was two non-playoff teams playing each other. I I'm inclined to go along with that. Um, I think that Pittsburgh might make it in, but I don't see Chicago doing it. So um, you got one playoff team. Um, and I'm not super sold on Pittsburgh. Um, I. I think you're I right. think I they've wanna... upgraded their offense at defense, but I don't know that they have defense at defense, and that's did before they... we get to their goaltending. Did they upgrade their defense? No, they, they upgraded. upgraded the offense on their defense by acquiring Eric uh, Carlson this offseason. They upgraded the position of defense, not necessarily the defense. <laughs> As I said, they upgraded the offense at defense. <laughs> Well, they are a plus five in goal differential at the moment. They've scored 11 and allowed six. So. Hooray for them. Yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> and as far as their goaltending is concerned, unless they plan on playing Tristan Jari a boatload of games. <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure that they are going. Wait a minute. Who's the backup there now? Wait, wait, wait. Didn't they change? They they got rid of DeSmith. DeSmith is in Vancouver now. He was, yes, uh, the last time I saw him. Pittsburgh is now utilizing Tristan Jari and... Oh, Nedeljkovic. Okay. Yeah, Alex Nedeljkovic. Who probably needed a change of scenery. I mean, he he hasn't been the goaltender he was as a rookie with Carolina, not with Detroit. I don't know that he's – has he come into a game yet? Yeah, he actually has played in one game for the Penguins, uh, allowed two goals and has a 944 save percentage in that one game. Hurrah. Or goals against average of two and 944 save percentage. I think that maybe if you utilize him more sparingly and he's not a number one playing 55, 60, 65 games a year, maybe Dendelkovic gets back to where he was. The problem is that – if you're going to rely on him for long stretches, then that could be an issue. And with Jari and his injury history, it, it may come up as a, it may present itself at some point during the season. Absolutely. And that injury history, uh, we have to hope, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to see him. Short I don't want to see him because if Nedeljkovic has to play 25 games in a row or even 18 games in a row, that's a lot of hockey, and, and I think that's he's only ever ball. played north of thirty. He's only ever played more than twenty-three games since becoming since hitting the NHL once, and he retreated. We'll call it that to a nine hundred one save percentage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. I don't think he's a 901 goaltender, but he also doesn't have anything like a robust defense in front of him. Uh, certainly not as good as Carolina's was when he ran in, ran into the playoffs with them. Um, and I honestly think that has something to do with it as well. Detroit's defense was not um, 
particularly good while he was the goaltender of choice in Detroit. And I mean, the backup to the, the his backup is Magnus Hellberg. And yeah, his numbers speak. I don't know. that. I mean, does Pittsburgh squeak in? Yes, they probably do. I know I just said that I don't think that either we were watching either one of the teams as playoff teams, but Pittsburgh just always manages to find a way to squeak in. I guess it comes down to how healthy are, Mel- are Malkin, Carlson, and uh, Eric uh, Carlson and um... Latang. You got to worry about Latang. You got to worry about Carlson. You got to worry, worry about Malkin too. You got to worry about Malkin. You got to worry about Jeff Carter. Do you really? He's thirty-eight years old. Yeah, but based on his production the last three seasons, is it is losing him actually bad? No, because then you can call up. Uh, let's see. No. Okay. No. No. Uh, no. Alexander Newlander. You can call up almost anybody. Ooh, former Bruin Yuna Kapanen. He had 45 points in the last in the 2021 season in 76 games. Okay. The last time before that that he crossed 40 points, you have to go all the way back to the 16 to the 16-17 season. Colin White, Rini Hinestroza. They do have a couple of people they could call up if he does get anyone. Hurt. Andreas Janssen. We're in, this is the ghost of Jeff Carter, and this is yeah. the guy that they spent how many years trying to convince us was better than Patrice Bergeron? Uh, At least five or six. Yeah. Um, his contract expires at the end of the season, and just a hunch? Not going to get re-signed? <laughs> I, I I have the sneaking suspicion that we're going to get to hear that he's going to spend more time with his family uh, over uh, sometime so. over the summer. I I think so too. I'm I wouldn't be surprised if he says uh, I'm done. He hasn't been the same Jeff Carter since his years in L.A. Even in L.A., he wasn't. Nah, he had the some- last four years. But in L.A., he, oh, wait, helped them win uh, two Stanley Cups. Yes, and then we got the ghost of Jeff Carter. Yes. Yes, the ghost of Jeff Carter. The ghost of Jeff Carter has played almost as many games as Jeff Carter. (laughs) I'm trying to remember his 39 games in Columbus. Wow. I no one remembers his 39 games. I don't remember his 39 games in Columbus. And he had 25 points in those 39 games. Yeah, basically because he said, if you don't trade me, I'm sitting out next season. Okay, he probably didn't actually say that, but everyone Sounds on the like- planet knew he didn't want to be there. And 
they had just traded a boatload to get him. Well, he was acquired in trade from the Flyers? He was acquired in trade from the Flyers. Um, it was Jacob Voracek, first-round pick that turned into Sean Couturier, and the third-round pick that turned into Nick Cousins. Ouch! And then they ended up having to flip him almost immediately. To the Kings. To the Kings four months later for Jack Johnson and uh, the first-round pick that turned into Marco Dano. Marco Huo? Uh, exactly. Exactly. I don't know who Marco Dan. I've heard the name, but it, it, I don't think he's made. He's a trivia question at this point. Yes, I, I completely get that. Yes. He played a whopping um, 141 NHL games and pl- and popped up 45 points. Wow. Um, and played on one, two, three, four five different teams or no, actually he had two tours through Columbus to bookmark his career. So Jeff Carter managed to force his way out of Columbus in half a season. That's pretty good. Well, he basically, he, he, for those who don't remember, he basically didn't report immediately. I honestly don't remember this. Yeah. Um, if you set your internet wayback machine uh, for that time, you you'll see the stories. That's what I'm going to have to do because I honestly I don't remember anything about him going to Columbus. Okay, well, it was remember it was the same it was around the same time that Mike Richards was being traded, and there were all of those comments about Dry Island in uh, in Philadelphia because certain young players. Um, possibly including Mr. Carter, uh, were said to be enjoying life off of the ice a bit too much. Uh. I see. That's not good. Wow. Anyway, I like I, I'm just saying I don't remember. And unfortunately, yes, Jeff Carter is a shell of himself, and it sucks because... He was definitely a, a he was definitely a key player. Excellent player. Yes, and a key player in LA's two Stanley Cups. I mean, I remember he was one of those guys who consistently went in like the third or fourth round of our fantasy league back yeah. when I used to run it because you knew what you were going to get from him. You were going to get that twenty plus goals. You were going to get a decent number of assists, and you were going to get really solid face-offs. And now there's this guy. I mean, 2013-14, 26 playoff games, 25 points. 2012-13, 18 playoff games, 13 points. 20 games, 13 points. I mean, in the eight, in 133 total, he has 84. I mean, he's a playoff performer. And he's two-thirds of a point per game in the regular season, 1,252, and he's got 836 points. The guy has t- – he's just fallen well off the cliff at this point. So, yes, he I would expect it. wear and tear and <sighs> yeah. maybe other stuff. I would expect that he's probably going to – I don't 
unless somebody comes up to him has ridiculous money for a one-year contract for some reason, I don't know that he's coming back. I don't. I don't see a reason for it unless he suddenly snaps out of it this season and pops in and pops back over the 40-point mark and looks good doing it. Um, I just don't see it. And over his career, he's earned $76.5 million. I mean, it's not like he needs the money. And no. he's been entertaining for 18 years now. And you had a story. One of the last few guys from the Yo3 draft that's still kicking around, by the way. And still, that's practically extinct at this point. Um, <laughs> so I had, had, a, uh, I had a story. You had a story about uh, the local squad. Well, um, that's... Before, we, before we dive into this story, though. Okay. What's your impression of the Boston Bruins so far this season? Uh, early impressions are that, let's see, they don't have to worry about goaltending ever in the last, and I mean, it, you watch Swayman, you watch Omark, and I know they played one game apiece, but yeah, they're, Omar is back to being himself. He's not the the first round Omar that was clearly not feeling well and nobody wanted to do anything about it. The defense is I don't know. Can I say sleepwalking through? I mean, I haven't heard Grizzlick's name once. I I, I think I heard it twice. It, basically, they're playing paint by numbers hockey at this point, I which think, isn't necessarily bad. But I think Potois not giving them. I, I mean, Potois not really giving them a, a, a difficult choice as to whether they should keep him, send him back after Game Nine. Uh, no, I, I think that unless he completely falls off the wagon in the next week or two, he's staying. He may even have been told he's staying already, um, because throughout the entire preseason. Throughout these first two games, he's looked like a solid NHL player. He's he's. I mean, you yes, watching him, he's setting up offensive plays. He's getting, he's physical in the corners when he needs to be. He's not shying away from contact. He's drawing penalties. Fifty percent on the faceoff circle. I mean, he's a rookie, and we joked about Bedard and his. You know, twenty six percent or whatever it is. I mean, fifty percent. Him and Beach are both rookies, both fifty percent in the faceoff dot. At the moment, I'll take it. It's only been two games, but I'll take it. I, I just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to expect because you got. I mean, there are eight guys on this roster who were not here last season, and by here I mean playing for the Boston Bruins. Um. Lauko sort of was here. Lucic was not. Beecher was not. Uh, Lucic was not. Courtois was not. Yeah. Van Riemsdyk was not. Right. Um, and that's and then you have Forbert and Shattenkirk who were not here. 
Um, was in, here last year. I'm not. I'm sorry. You have Shattenkirk and Mitchell who are not here. Yeah, Mitchell hasn't. I mean, Mitchell hasn't appeared in a game yet. I, I guess Montgomery would know what to expect out of him since he played for him back in college. And I, I don't know how much that plays into anything. You know their tendencies maybe, but how much have they changed since their how time in Denver? How much have they changed and how well are they going to read off the other players? Yeah. That's always my concern is communication, particularly with a defenseman and goaltending. Um, how much are they going to communicate? We saw one or two oopsies in front of the net in the first two games. Not bad uh, because Swayman and Olmark were both paying attention. Um, but one or two oopsies. Um, overall, I, I'm not going to jump up and down and praise the team. Yeah, I'm not ready to anoint them anything i'm just they've won two games but there's no there's also no reason to dump on them um yeah uh, do i wish that brad marshand had scored by now of course i do do i i could say the same thing about jake debrusque and trent uh, frederick and the rest um i think that the fourth line has looked Fourth line There's a the lot best. of third lines in the league. Fourth line has been phenomenal. You got Beecher centering Lauko and, and Lucic, and it's just like, yeah. They look like they played <laughs> together for five years. Like they legitimately look like a line that has been together for, for a long time. It just looks right. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. They do. They they just look right. And Luch has Luch has more upside than people want to give him credit for. I, I mean, it. I've been forced to watch James Van Riemsdyk actually look like a real hockey player. Yeah. Um, my big thing with this team right here, right now, particularly when we're talking about those two guys, um, yes. Lucic and Van Riemsdyk. What are they going to look like at the end of December, the middle of January, when all the adrenaline of being in Boston or back in Boston is gone and you're in the dog days of the season? Because there's absolutely no question in my mind that these two guys are still very excited to be stepping onto the garden ice, to be pulling on the jersey. Do you think do you think James Van Riemsdyk wanted to play as a Bruin when he was playing for the Maple Leafs? <laughs> I think he was invested in his teammates, whether okay. he was invested in the franchise or the um or the city is a different question. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the thing is the fans Lucic, are I was gonna say Lucic, he's thirty five years old. Yeah. He's got a lot of miles on a big body. He does, but... He's got 1,175 career games played on that body. Wow. Um, He will hit 1,200 games before midseason. They're going to make a big deal out of 1,200? You bet your your butt they are. Uh, Okay. I mean, he played the first, what, eight seasons of his career here? 
Oh, I I think the fans will. I don't. I'm I'm just. Do they make a big deal? I mean, one thousand, yes. Fifteen hundred, yes. Do they make a big deal out of twelve hundred? Not very many guys actually get to twelve hundred games, so I think they will. Okay. I mean, they gave a silver stick to some player at. I forget who it was. They did a big ceremony for. Now I'm not saying that there's going to be a week of celebrations and they're going to roll the duck boat, roll his whole family out onto the ice and in a duck boat or anything like that. No, but I imagine there'll be video presentation on the board and yeah, they'll oh, probably yeah. have they'll probably have a couple of gifts. James Van Riemsdyk will be 35 before the cup goes up. Uh, he'll that's uh, May 4th is his birthday. He's played 942 regular season and 44 postseason. No, I'm sorry. 942 regular season games. Um, and you add in another 71 postseason games. That's that's a lot of wear and tear. So that's a lot of not only is it wear and tear, it's a lot of routine. Um, you know, he played three seasons for the Flyers when he opened his career. Yeah. He went up to Toronto for six, went back to the Flyers for five seasons. He's now here. And you look at it and okay, the Flyers aren't an original six team, but Toronto, Toronto is. But if you look at the teams he's played for, at least Boston and Philly, I don't know, maybe Toronto too. I did, but it's Boston and Philly, old school hockey. Physical is almost a requirement. Yeah. You play for those two franchises. Physical is a requirement. Particularly in his like first his first tour of Philly. You know, you're talking the 9, 10, 10, 11, 11, 12 seasons. That was still some big boy hockey. Yes. Um, so the amount of years. A little less years. so on his most recent tour. But let's look. Let's look yep. at his last four years of hockey. Mm-hmm. Nineteen twenty season, sixty six games, nineteen goals. Twenty twenty one season, fifty six games, seventeen goals. Twenty twenty one twenty two season, eighty two games, twenty four goals. All eighty two games, nothing to sneer at at any age. Um, and then, um. 61 games out of the 82 last year, um, some for reasons and some for injuries. Um, okay. Only 12 goals. He's off to a fantastic start this year, two goals in two games. Let me say, didn't we talk about if he make if he gets 16 goals, you'd be throwing a party or something like that? I, mean, I said I would donate money to a charity, a, um, to someone online. Yeah. Um, can he make it? Can, I I still think he can get 16 goals. I don't know why. I just I'm not rooting against him. I just think it's doable. I, I'm not saying I, I just don't know that he's going to do it because age, injury history. Yeah. Um, and I did say 16 for the Bruins. So if he happens to be moved between game 15 between his 15th goal and 16th goal, oh well. Do we really think they're going to move him? I think it's unlikely, uh, but I wouldn't say no to anything, particularly because he does not have any movement restrictions. No, but he signed for a million dollars. 
That's although, true. Uh, although, oddly enough, Milan has a no-movement clause. <laughs> on a one-year, $1 million deal. <laughs> um, but, you oh, know, is that, oh, is that – or is that just because he's 35-plus? No, that's that. That was because he asked for it. Uh, it's a no-move clause. I suspect that whether it's this year or next year or the year after that Lucic intends to retire, uh, we spoke to as his last jersey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can certainly see that. He, he cried when he resigned here. I mean, he probably cried when he walked back into the building for the first time after being assigned to. Yeah. But, okay, so it's now February 15th. Uh, I believe that's just before the trade deadline. And someone want, and the Bruins want to pick up a, they want to pick up a center. Maybe it's, Joel Erickson Eck because Minnesota just can't afford to re-sign him and they definitely want another two-way forward. Um, they want to get younger uh, because Minnesota can't afford to re-sign him. That is uh, not that he's, I mean, he's signed for a couple more years and the deal is okay. We need a set. We need a, we need a, a, a name that people are going to recognize back and we need a draft pick, um, and we need a prospect. If they ask for, if they ask for JVR as part of that equation, do you really think Neely is going to say no to get Eric, uh, uh, Joel Erickson Eck? I don't. No. And March eighth is the official trade deadline for the twenty three twenty four season. Yeah. Uh, yes. If if Sweeney gets his way and gets his trade early, like he likes to, <laughs> many years. Do you really think he's going to be bringing in Joel Erickson? As my, I'd love it. No. Don't, I'm not. I'm not. I would absolutely fall head over heels trying to get Erickson at to the airport in Minnesota, and then beat him back to Boston to pick him up at Logan Airport. <laughs> You're not alone in that, um, but just for the giggles, looking at uh, Joel Erickson X contract, yeah, his no no trade no movement clause kicks in next season, Ooh, so he actually is tradable this year. We gotta get him now, then. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get him now. <laughs> um, I think that there's. I do. I think that. Do I think that they're going to blow up the Minnesota Wild at midseason? Erickson Probably not. Five and a quarter million per? I can't see Billy Guerin blowing up the team uh, this year. If he does, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get paid on several of those players. He's five and a quarter till the end of the – what is that phrase you use? Until the heat death of the universe, yeah. Until t- the end of the 28-29 season, yeah. Five and a quarter million? I'm salivating right now. Like, How do we pry him away from Minnesota? If Sweeney actually pulled off that trade without having to give up multiple first-round draft picks, I might almost forgive him for the 2015 draft. Well, if he didn't give up multiple first-round draft picks 
and all that talent for Rick Nash, we might have some some capital to get Joel Erickson at. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that midseason we need to talk about this uh, this Minnesota Wild team and what they should, what Billy should be doing with them. It's uh, because they're in an interesting spot between still having 14 million in dead cap, 14 and a, almost 15 million in dead cap between the Parisian sewer buyouts um, this season and next. May and I, s- no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, may I say very quickly, the actual point of this story was the fact that it's two games into the season and now they're heading out west to Anaheim and Jim Montgomery is already tinkering with the lines. That was the whole point of this story. <laughs> and I, yeah, my, at nighttime recording, um, I don't know that I love the changes, partly well, because you got I, don't know, I don't think they're necessary yet. Um, he wants to see, and and I get where he's coming from. He wanted to see, he wants to see the 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 attack faster. For some, according to him, after game one, he talked about they looked slow. He wanted to see the, he wanted to see them faster. He wanted to see them attacking. And when he talked after game two, he said, "Yes, we've improved there. I still would like to see it." I still would like to see an improvement. We have got we have gotten faster. We were better than we were in game one. He wants to see, and he, I don't know where he can come up with five on five attack because especially in game two, they spent a lot of that second period shorthanded. They spent a lot of that first two periods shorthanded. I mean, some of those guys saw more shorthanded time in that one game than they normally do in three. Well, they had compared, let's see, uh, I remember Brandon Carlo was top of the list at the end of the second period of game two. He had set, he had seven minutes and 21 seconds of shorthanded t- time on ice. Charlie Coyle in that game had 551 shorthanded time on ice, which exactly matched his five-on-five time on ice. Yes, and, that was the player I was thinking of. And John Beecher, who I know he can kill penalties. I mean, I watched him do it in Michigan. I watched him do it in Providence. He, he he can kill penalties. He had four minutes and 23 or 428 in, of ice time, something like that. I mean, they played the bulk of their time shorthanded. It was – so I don't know how he can sit there and say he needs to see more – he needs to see more attacking five-on-five. Five. He wants to see Brad Marchand. He, he put Poitras on the top line with Marchand and Geeky. Uh, Zaka is still with Pasternak, but they got DeBrusque on the left now where he should be. I mean, looking at those two lines, as much as I love Brad Marchand and as much as I love Patois, you actually say that that's a better line than Pasternak, DeBrusque, and Zaka. No, and to be honest, I don't know if Marchand, Poitras, Geeky is actually the top. I don't know if I'm giving them number one or number two status or if that's – or if reading it this way on the Bruins website. Reading it this way – Yes, they're listed as the first line, uh, and I don't know. I mean, 
But watching the crawl on Nesson when at the very beginning of the game when they show the lines for the teams, Brad Marchand's line was actually listed second. He wasn't yes, with. that was, but that was the old line with him and um, DeBrusque. I still think DeBrusque, Pasternak would probably be listed as the top line, and it doesn't really matter because you think about it. Sometimes Montgomery, depending on who he's playing, starts the game with the fourth line. Yes. Or the third line because they're the energy lines or whatever, and the fact that he's putting Coyle back with Frederick, I love that. I think that's good for both of those guys. Um, I think that if you can get Frederick to shoot, Frederick and Coyle to shoot more, and Van Riemsdyk to keep shoving himself back in front of the net and tipping stuff, um, that you have an effective line there. I think that you can get, if everyone's healthy and they play reasonably consistently the rest of the season, I think that you're at minimum looking at 55 goals out of the three of them, and it's probably more than that. And I heard a very smart thing, and it was after the Bruins' first game, because it was on TNT, and this is how I know that Biss is growing as a commentator or, or whatever they want, an analyst, because he's the one who said, and I didn't, think of this and I can't believe I didn't think of this. He's the one who said that getting Milan Lucic and putting him on the line that he's on, having Milan back in a Bruins uniform is not only a, a boon for the Bruins themselves, but it's a boon for God, for Trent Frederick because Frederick doesn't have to be the heavy Frederick uh, and, and Biss said that Frederick was a, a middleweight. Yeah, he said that, but he doesn't have to be the heavy. You got Milan Lucic to come out and slap down people, and I'm paraphrasing. And but you got Milan Lucic who's going to come out and belt people around. You got that that fourth line with Beecher and Lauko. Frederick can concentrate more on his hockey and more on his offensive skills and being a, Look, a, a full player. I I've said that Bish has been the best commentator on TV for the last two. Full seasons. I agree. And I won't. I will. I'll. I'll. I'll drop the gloves with anyone who wants to go. Uh, who wants to stand up for someone else on that one? Um. But he's a hundred percent right. We saw last year that Trent Frederick is absolutely capable of scoring twenty goals in the end. He can be. A, he can. Yes, he can be a. He can be an offensive forward. He doesn't have to be the enforcer. He. It would be a waste of his career, and I say that advisedly um, because I don't think that any time you get to do what you enjoy is a waste, but it would be a waste of his total talent if Trent Frederick spent his entire career in the NHL as a goon or an enforcer. I mean, here's a guy. Here's a guy who goes from 42 games in, in in under under Cassidy. He goes from 42 games and only five points to 60 games and 18 points. And then his first year under Montgomery, who actually gives him the freedom to play and do what he wants to do, he almost doubles his point production. He goes up to you know 79 games. He's up to 31 points. And it's, he's more it, than and, you know, it doesn't sound years. impressive, but. He more than doubled his previous goal-scoring total. 
eight for eight from eight to seventeen. I mean, seventeen goals, fourteen assists, and then you, yeah, his pims are still up there. He still had fifty-seven penalty minutes, but he had the same number of penalty minutes the year before when he only had eighteen points. So he and can he still be almost twenty more games. So he's playing disciplined <sighs> hockey. He's just playing very physical hockey while being physical. Thank you. Yes. And let's be honest, he played. He got. He got a, quite a few bad calls against him in that 21-22 season, like egregiously bad calls. But he's he's hit that 200 game mark now. I think that last season really showed what the ceiling is for him, and I think it's around that 20 to 25 goal mark. Um, and we are, I think we've actually now covered every single topic on the board and like nine others besides. <laughs> um, is there anything else we actually need or want to cover tonight? Ah. Uh. That is everything on the board. I think we've got it. Uh, it's, yeah, no, I think we've got it. <laughs> um, so this week's will he or won't he is going to be Trent Frederick. Will he match or exceed last year's goal total? Ah, good choice. You'll find it in the show description. Give it a vote. Uh, give it a share. And let us know what you think in the comments um, and in responses to the, to the post. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Um, we'll be right back here actually next Monday night because uh, of conflicts uh, for both of us. Have a great week.